Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Hello, mom, and welcome to the Mom Village. This is part two of fostering and adoption. I'm your one of your hosts, Jesus Marie Ramos, and I'm here with Kira Kelly. Good morning. And I'm here with Kristen Scroggins. Good morning, ladies. And we have a great episode for you. You already listened to part one. This is part two, but we have an awesome guest with us, Kristen. We do. Ladies, I'm so excited about this because in part one, we talked with Lynette Ezel, who is the wife of the president of the North American Mission Board, yes. Kevin Ezel. Yes. And as you already know, she has a huge ministry with fostering and adoption. And one of the things we asked her at the end was, how can our church get involved? Well, this morning... We have with us uh, one of all of our dear friends, and she is one who actually has taken the plunge into this ministry of fostering and adoption. And she's come to share with us today how how that happens. So her name is Crystal Gutierrez. Crystal, say hey to everyone. Hey, Crystal. (laughs) Hey, ladies. And uh, so thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, we sure love you, and we we can't wait for these moms to hear your story. So let's just jump in real quick. So you are married to Leo, and God has built your family in a really unique way. But first, tell us real quick, how did you and Leo meet? Well, first off, it's such a privilege just to be here with you, ladies. You all know, because I've told you, that I admire you all so much. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much for even thinking of me and having me here. So Leo and I, we actually met in college at Palm Beach Atlantic University, so across the street from our church. Uh, We met our freshman year, and we started dating our sophomore year. Um, And we've been together for now 13 years, uh, Mm. which includes nine and a half years of marriage Leo is my best friend, and I am so blessed to get to do life with him. You guys are such a great team, Crystal. It's fun to watch your family come into church on Sundays. And ladies, you don't if you don't know Crystal and you have been watching Family Church at home, mm-hmm. you see her a lot. She has a beautiful, beautiful voice, and God has blessed her in that way, and she shares that with our church. But tell us how, how did the two of you, you and Leo, decide to start fostering? So back in the beginning of 2016, the Lord really placed it heavy on my heart. At the time, Leo and I had just walked through four years of unexplained infertility, and we're still walking through that journey now. But at the beginning of 2016, the Lord really just pressed it on my heart to care for for kids and kids that weren't my kids. And I remember bringing it up with Leo and talking to him about it. And his initial response right out the gate of me bringing it up was, no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember like, wow, okay, that was um, really fast. Um, 
and it was just hard. He, he explained to me, it, it would be so hard for me to love and care for a child temporarily. And I remember him saying, I could not love a child that would just be taken away from me at any given moment, which Leo, one of the reasons why I fell in love with Leo is when we were dating, he told me that he, he had had a desire to be a dad since he was 10 years old. Oh I mean, Lord. that's just the sweetest thing ever. So precious. <laughs> and so he told me no, and I said, okay, well, I'm just going to keep praying about it, if that's okay. And he said, absolutely, you can keep praying about it. And I don't have to tell you, ladies, that prayer is powerful. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, just pr- I prayed for the next couple of months, and two months later, Leo came to me, and he caught me off guard, and he just said to me, hey, we have to be foster parents. Wow. And <laughs> I remember just being shocked, like, what? Who are you? Where did my husband go? <laughs> and then, so he, he was like, I, I have been thinking about foster care in such a selfish way and saying it's going to hurt me and thinking about my pain and the pain that I'm going to endure once a child gets reunited with their family. But he's like, he had a complete paradigm shift and I, I attribute it all to the Lord's work because he's like, what about this child? Like the pain that they are enduring, the pain of being ripped away from everything that they know, even if it's dysfunctional and broken and messed up. That's mm-hmm. all they know. So mm-hmm. he's like, how selfish of me to only think of me and not about this little child who literally did not ask for this. Isn't that amazing how the Holy Spirit works in all of our lives, particularly husbands? Like, you know, it talks about in First Peter, we've said this verse before, that wives win their husbands over by a gentle and quiet spirit, Crystal. And it's talking about salvation, but really that's so applicable to everything. Mm-hmm. Most husbands right. don't feel compelled to change their heart and mind by a nagging wife. But a praying wife now, <laughs> that gets some things accomplished. And, and you just were quiet and let the Lord work in his heart and allowed him to lead your home to, you know, get to the place where he needed to be for y'all to to do this. So that's amazing. And I think that that's a story, Jace Marie and Kira, of so many other moms that oh, we talk to, don't you think? Um, and so tell us then, so once you landed, okay, we're, we're doing this thing. And then you probably got a little scared because he... <laughs> (laughs) he's your fallback. Like, I want to do this, but Leo won't let me. Now he's letting me. Now what do I do? So talk about, talk about the journey a little bit of how you actually got involved. Sure. So starting out, we had to go through a couple of different things before we even got started. We had to find the agency that we wanted to use. um, And we did find one that we love um, here in Palm Beach County. And We had to take an orientation class. We had to take um, partnership and parenting classes, which are pretty much just trainings that um, are talking about trauma-informed kids and co-parenting with biological parents. And all of that, we had to complete an insane amount of paperwork um, Mm. that led to full screenings of our lives, like nothing was left out like oh that traffic <laughs> ticket that you thought oh, Leo didn't yeah. know about, oh, wow. he yeah. knows about. It's, intense. <laughs> it's so encouraging <laughs> <laughs> it was intense um 
and then we took in our first placement later in November of 2016. So started praying in January, started doing the classes in June, and all of the prep work in June. And by November the 1st, we had our first placement. And November the 1st was actually the day that we were fully licensed. Mm, Um, And I remember (laughs) in the class, they told us that it happens quickly. But I didn't realize it happened that quickly. The day of. Um, they were waiting at <laughs> the, the door. Day, oh, they were waiting. I remember getting a call from our support specialist with our agency telling us, hey, your, your license um, is going to be approved this afternoon. And about an hour later, calling me and saying, hey, your license is approved and we have two kids for you. <gasps> wow. Uh, wow. Did you take both of them that day? We did. Two hours after we got the call, the kids were brought into our house. Wow. How old were it they? Was, it was a whirlwind. Um, we had a six-week-old little baby, mm, little, little baby, and then his brother, who was a 19-month-old toddler. Wow. You should so, see our eyes yeah. in here. <laughs> I remember. I remember, Crystal. I remember. Wow. That's I a- wish I could be in the room because I would love to see your face. <laughs> yeah, we're all bug-eyed, but we're, we're so proud. So you had them for how long? So we only had the boys for a little, a little over two weeks um, mm-hmm. because they were removed from their mom and then placed with a family member. So it happened really fast. It was what Leo and I like to call our baptism by fire and how we became instant parents. Um, We learned so much in two and a half weeks. It was just intense, so intense. But over the years, we've been foster parents now for four years, and we've had 13 kids come in and out of our home from little, little babies, six-week-old, baby G, and to four and a half year olds and not all of them have been placements because we've we've done respite um, mm-hmm. as well which is just pretty much relief for current foster parents with kids that are their placements that we might need some help we might need some reprieve so we've done a little bit of fostering and respite care and we've really just had our our shares of joys and sorrows but Overall, we've just felt the Lord still calling our family to it right now. And it has not been easy by any means, but we just want to be obedient. So here we are. I love that you said that, that overall, like you guys just want to be obedient. Because if it was because it's easy, that's not what you sign up for. You know, I love that the the brother where you say, you know, we just want to be obedient. And even though it's hard. And sometimes it's beautiful and sometimes it's hard. We just want to be obedient. I mean, and that's that's the hard part. Yeah. I mean. Well, you know what else I'm thinking of is going back to you just praying over the, the whole situation with Leo not being ready and mm-hmm. trusting his leadership and trusting that if this was right, that God was going to line both of you up. Because the truth is, it sounds to me like Leo's biggest fear has happened over and over again mm-hmm. through this process. But because... He feels so called to it. Mm-hmm. God strengthens him and you to walk this path as opposed to you dragging him along. I mean, can you imagine that just wouldn't work with it? Mm-hmm. That's right. 
So Crystal, can you tell us a little bit more about your biggest challenge in this whole fostering journey? So, okay, so it's actually funny because I've been asked this question quite a bit and Leo and I have kind of populated top three challenges that we have. And these are not in any particular order, but obviously the biggest challenge, which I've already kind of alluded to, is saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. Um, Saying goodbye and not knowing what happens to the kids after they leave our home. Because in most cases, with the kids that have left, we have not had further contact with them. So we we don't know, you know, how they're doing. We don't know if they're okay. We don't know if their parents are okay. And we develop such a love for these kids. It's, it's funny because people say to us all the time, I could never foster because I would fall in love with them. It's okay. You and can tell them I'm one of those. Parents. You can tell them I'm one of those. I'm right on there with you. <laughs> and as, a, as a foster parent, though, I'm like, it kind of makes us sound like we're cold and heartless. Like, no, we have hearts too. We feel for them. We love them. We fall in love with them quickly. And it's something that, you know, we pray over our family, like God, just guard our hearts and guard our minds. But we, we also want to be vulnerable too with them in their deepest need. So that saying goodbye is one of the bigger challenges. Another one that we find that, we never thought would would actually be a challenge, but it has been, is just continual education for our family and friends about foster care. Mm. Because one of the hardest things to manage is how people respond and interact with our foster kiddos. Mm. Um, and we totally get it. People mean well, and we know that they just don't know how to respond. So we've taken the posture of, we want to educate as much as we can beforehand, mm-hmm. like when we know we're getting a placement, so that we can avoid questions like, hey, is this your new foster kid? Yeah. With the kid standing right next to us. <laughs> or, or, hey, tell me what their story is. And they're standing right next to us, like yeah. hand in hand. And we're like, hey, like it's been such a tension just to manage even responding from us because we don't want to be cold and harsh either and be like, seriously, you're asking that question right now. Um, (laughs) Um, You know, just little by little, we've talked to our friends and our family um, about, hey, you know, some of the, one of the best things that you can say, and this could be really the only thing that you say if you realize, hey, I'm with a child that's not clearly my son is, hey, you have a new friend, and then just let us take it from there. Mm -hmm. Um, We can introduce you to the child, you know, tell them a little bit about them and how old they are, color they like, what they love to do, just to kind of break the ice, because it's new for the kid, too. Um, That's helpful. It's so helpful. Crystal, I don't even know if you remember this, but um, so Jimmy and I were called to foster three siblings as just like middle parents for them. And it was our first Sunday at church. You were down at the desk and I was checking them in. They're a mess. They don't know anybody here. And somebody leaned down in in our foster son's face and said, wow, you are with the Scroggins family. You are a lucky little boy. 
and I, I, I do you remember that? Remember that and moment. I whipped around and looked at you. I wasn't as gracious as you are. I didn't say a word, but my face, I thought, how could a grown person mm-hmm. think that this little boy who is seven years old, he's not feeling very lucky right now. Mm-hmm. And he's not. Right. And um, people, it's amazing to me that people mean so well, but don't know what to say. But what a, what a sweet and Christ-like process that you are are going through to take the time to help people in a, in a yeah. kind way of how to do it because they want to do it right nobody's mm-hmm. trying to hurt anyone's yeah. feelings but it's right, just it's, exactly. it's awkward and, and people don't know what to say so that's awesome I yeah. remember recently we tell people listen if you have questions the best way to do it is to call or text us and we can get you more answers but it's actually I'm not a huge advocate of social media I have a social media account but one of the things that I've recently done is, like, I took a picture of empty car seats, and I posted that oh, and mm-hmm. said, hey, heads up, friends, we're going to have some new friends with us this weekend. If you happen to see them, smile, say hello, and introduce yourself. Like, that, that was a that's simple right. thing. And it helped so much at church the next morning when we went, and people... People were less awkward. I mean, they still stare and like look, and it's, but it's less, much less awkward than words being said to a sure. little kid. Crystal, I love that you said like one of your three was like saying goodbye and not knowing, and then you told us also like continual education because those are things you know that we don't know. Yeah, I'm eager to hear where is your third one. Yes, me too. Please tell me. Yeah. So the third one is, it's a personal challenge for, for Leo and I. I think it's funny because it's definitely harder on me. And I think that's just because I carry the title mom and, mm-hmm. you know, the Lord made us women to be emotional, but it's handling the day-to-day emotional roller coaster that the kids mm-hmm. are on and really how different things can trigger your child and their trauma at any moment. You could be driving and you pass by a building and they know what that building is, what that building represents. Mm. Or as simple as I could be home cooking dinner, making a meal for the family and a certain smell reminds them of mom and dad. And Mm. it happens so fast and before you know it you have a little guy buckled up in the car seat behind you upset or you have a little girl on the floor in your kitchen um, super upset and you're just trying to make sure you're not crashing the car or you're not burning your dinner and walking through these hard moments are super challenging but in those moments I have found that I call out to Jesus almost immediately. It's like we, I have a sixth sense for it. So I know kind of when it's coming, once the trigger happens. And it's just, I send up the layer prayers to the Lord, like, Jesus, help me. Give me words. Give me strength. Because in those moments, there are times where I have felt like, man, I'm going to crumble because I can't handle this because it's so hard. But it's not my time to crumble because mm-hmm. there's a little one who is crumbling and it's my responsibility the Lord has given to me to help them right now, to be their comfort right now, to get them through this moment. And 
almost as quick as the triggers happen and the meltdowns happen and the moments happen, as quickly as they come, they're gone. Yeah. And I'm left like, like, holy cow, I just ran a marathon. Um, <laughs> and, but I found that in those moments that when I do call out to the Lord, he is faithful. He bestows strength and wisdom and comfort and above all, just peace. And even when I feel like I'm so scared to tackle these moments, Jesus, when I look back at them, Jesus has given me just the opportunity to be able to speak life into that child in that moment. Crystal, um, what a great, so, what a great representation. I'm sorry. I just have to, it's just, I, I'm listening to you and I'm like, this is like a great representation of what God does to us every day. You know how sometimes we just go through life and we have this, not sometimes, almost all the time, but we just crumble and we have these moments that we just, we're so desperate and we look up and that's, that's, that's our comfort. That's when we have Christ in our heart, that's where we can look up and literally just breathe for a second and just scream out loud or it's just how God comes in and is our refuge. And I, and I hear you speaking how you're being that refuge for that child and it, it just, I can't help to think that's what God does to us. You know, how amazing it is that you're just getting a glimpse of what the Lord does in our lives every day. Mm-hmm. Well, Crystal, thank you so much. Oh my goodness. I have like a, a new garnered respect for you and all that you do. Tell us a little bit about your greatest joy. I thought about this question too, and I have so many because while there are so many sorrows, there are equally so many joys mm-hmm. um, in foster care. Um, just the sheer opportunity that we have to share about Jesus and how much he loves you. And mm-hmm. sharing that with a kid who's coming from brokenness, who's in the middle of brokenness. And brokenness is not really their own. It's their parents, their families, but mm-hmm. they're in brokenness nonetheless. And getting to share the gospel with kids and their parents and even government workers, because there are just so many people that are a part of our lives in foster care. So it's easy for us to say and pray to the Lord, God, give me an opportunity to share with anybody that I have interactions with today. So just getting to do that has been just so beautiful and it's not perfect, but it when it when we do have those moments where it's clear that we can share, hey, this is what brokenness is. This is what sin has done. It has departed us from God's design. This is not what the Lord wanted for us. But there is a way out, and the way out is through Jesus and believing and repenting in Jesus and what he's done for us so that we can recover and pursue God's design. It's just so so awesome that we can we can use the gospel in foster yeah. care and how we can share the hope that we have in Jesus. I'm pretty sure that's something that surprised you while you were fostering because that's my next question. But I mean, nobody goes into fostering thinking I'm going to like spread the gospel. (laughs) You know, you're trying to like, you know, build and and, and just recover and do a lot of things. But what was something that surprised you, you know, when you began fostering? Yeah, it's actually, it's actually that we were surprised just by how many people are involved in foster care. Like we were trained up, like there's going to be so many people in your life, but 
it really was shocking. Like when you first get a placement, the first 48 hours, your phone is going off nonstop and they're all unknown numbers and you just pick up and I've gotten so used to just answering the phone and just stating my name so that they're not asking, may I please speak to Crystal? Um, (laughs) It's just, hello, this is Crystal. How can I help you? Um, But it's crazy town, the interactions that we have. I mean, we have a case manager and sometimes the case manager supervisor. We have a support worker from our our foster agency. There's a guardian at Lightham volunteer and a guardian at Lightham attorney. There are medical directors. There are behavioral psychologists. There are child care providers. And there are bio parents and siblings and all the things. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And a lot of people. And, Crystal, don't you feel like that was one of the things that surprised me the most is I'm thinking I'm just going to love on these kids. And then I realized, (laughs) oh, my word. Did you not realize, like, how many times you repeat the same things over and over to all these people? I told Jimmy, I'm like, could we just ask for a conference call and let me say this one time and then we'd be done. Over and over. Yeah. I mean, there were so many times, Kristen, that I'm just like, can I just send an email and copy all of you (laughs) to the same This is not efficient. Oh, man. And if you guys don't know Crystal, we know Crystal. She's like one of my best friends. But if you guys don't know Crystal, this woman strives in perfection. I mean, she is detailed to the core. Mm -hmm. Like if you, I'm telling you, you'll get notes and subtext and text of the text and email (laughs) confirmation of the confirmation. I mean, so for her to say this is because it's the whole village coming to your phone. Yeah, it's true. Now, tell yeah. me, Crystal, talking about village, how has your church family rail around you? Like, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so if I hang out this question for too long, I will get emotional. And I told myself before I got on the phone with you guys, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> well, you know what's going to happen, because if you cry, we cry. <laughs> Um, but uh, all I can say is, wow, our church family has rallied so hard around our family in so many different ways from the moment, from November 1st, 2016, from the moment that we took in those two little boys, there were people at our doorstep with all kinds of things. I mean, one of our friends and I, I tell this story often, one of our really, really good friends came over because his wife sent him with a ton of supplies from onesies to socks to swaddles to a co-sleeper to one of those Mama Roo swings. And he comes into our house. We had just gotten the boys and he walks in and he just starts setting up shop in my house. <laughs> um, <laughs> And Leo and I were just like, okay, do you need any help? And he's like, no, you guys got the boys. It's okay. I got this. And I mean, I'm telling you, the man was like putting a co-sleeper in our bed, like one that you have to like pick up the mattress and be like all up in the bed. And he's like hollering from our room, like, hey, I hope you guys are all right with me being in your bed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. And, And I mean, just getting things ready and people providing meals and just being there for us emotionally, physically, financially. There are no words. There aren't enough words for us to say thank you. We are just so, so beyond grateful for our church family, especially because both of my family and Leo's family, they don't live super close. 
my family is primarily in Orlando, and Leah's family is in Port St. Lucie, which is closer. But, but our family church is your family. <laughs> yeah, they have become so much more to us, and they mean so much to us and have just rallied so hard, like I said, so hard around our family. And we are so appreciative of them. Well, Crystal, we could spend another hour or more just picking your brain and asking you questions. And there's a few other things that I wanted to get to. And, you know, we're just running out of time. I want to respect your time. But one thing I don't want to leave without asking you is tell us what it was like, because you you have had heartache with foster care and you've had um, challenges and you've had to give people up, but you have something special that happened with, with one of your foster children. And so tell us what it was like with Evan and what it was like the day that he officially, sorry, became <laughs> Evan Gutierrez. Yeah. And tell Well, tell yeah. our audience that don't know who Evan is. Yeah. Yeah. So Evan, Evan Gutierrez is our sweet little boy. He is seven years old, and we have had the opportunity and the blessing to adopt Evan out of foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happened, wow, two years ago we adopted him. Um, but Evan came into our lives three and a half years ago. And his case was up and down and all over the place, and there were just times where we would get a call and say, hey, he's going to be removed and placed with another person, or and then we'd get a call, he's going to stay, and he's going to be removed. So it was really just a seesaw, really a roller coaster of emotions with his case, and we were, again, just trying to be obedient to what the Lord called us to, and you know we're going to love him through it. And then 16 months after um, having Evan in our home, uh, we got the call that his case was moving to adoption, and they asked, would you guys be willing to adopt him? And I remember most conversations that we have with people, uh, like, I'll get the call, and I don't like to give answers over the phone mm-hmm. without talking to Leo about them first. So I'll mm-hmm. tell them like, Hey, I'll get back with you. Let me talk to my husband. But I remember getting that call. And as soon as they asked me, I just like shouted, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you already knew what he was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, absolutely. Oh, um, and then I remember just calling Leo and he, Leo thought that something was like critically wrong um, <laughs> because I was, I couldn't even like form words. I was crying and just sobbing and he was just like, what is going on? And telling him and then, you know, he was speechless and he wouldn't talk and I'm like, what, <laughs> what are, you, are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine. And just... Um, he's like, I can't believe this is happening. And it was a moment that for us, every time we think about it, it, it does have a bittersweet effect to it because on one side of the adoption, there is great, great loss, but on the other side of the adoption, there is great gain. And it's something that, 
even now after adopting our sweet boy, um, he just brings so much life and so much joy to our lives. Yeah. We still think about his biological parents mm-hmm. um, every very so often, and we do pray for them still, and Evan still remembers them. And he talks about them um, also every so often. And, and one of his biggest things is he wants to know if they're okay. And the biggest thing is actually he wants to know if they know Jesus. Wow. And it's such a sweet opportunity for us to pray with our son for his bio parents and to pray that they would know the Lord and that they would repent and believe in the gospel and they would turn away from that brokenness. So there's that in, but then there are, we're, we're reminded through Evan all the time that he just, just this past week, he, he pulled me in, he pulled me close, gives me a hug. And he's like, mama, I love you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I love you too, buddy. And he says, he says things like God knew that, you guys are the best family for me to have. And that just, you know, it spurs us on to know that, man, this is what the Lord ordained from the beginning. As messy as it is, this is what the Lord's plans were. And his plans and his thoughts are better and higher than anything that we could have ever expected. And so, yeah, that's, that's how we got Evan, and we, sorry, I'm trying not to get choked up over here, uh, but that's, that's how our little guy came into our life, and he has been just the biggest, biggest blessing, and the Lord has, has given Evan such a compassionate and tender heart, um, because this fostering ministry is not just mine and Leo's, it's Evan's too. And Evan is such an incredible foster brother. Mm. I mean, anytime any kid walks through the front door, he's right there. He's at the door. He's usually on the floor with (sighs) a toy or something to engage that kid uh, he is pretty much our welcoming committee, is what we call him. <laughs> mm. He's our personal at-home greeter, and kids just feel—they gravitate to him. They feel safe with him, um, and he just wraps them in his arms, and he loves them hard, and he feels it too um, when there is loss, and he's just the biggest blessing, and such a wonderful addition to the Gutierrez family and we are so so grateful for him. Crystal I know a lot of you don't know who Evan is but Evan is actually one of my kids best friends we literally had a birthday and we like um what do you want we like we just want Evan to come to our birthday but I want the (laughs) listeners to know that I know every parent thinks their kids is awesome, but Evan is actually a really, really smart kid. Like he's naturally gifted for all of you that are listening. He's one of the smartest kids I know. I mean, I remember Crystal when you guys brought him, I mean, this kid, like two or three years old, like fully sentences, knowing how to hand, like talking to grownups. It's just amazing. And everything that you're saying about Evan, I can actually say that it's true. I mean, and I love how you not only sharing your heart, you know, so people understand who Evan is, but I can testify and say like the 
the big ministry that God has just put in Evan's life because we see it. I mean, in the way this kid is not only reacting of this new family, but the calling, we see how God is working in this guy for a higher purpose. And um, we know Evan, we love him very much. And uh, we cannot see the Gutierrez family without Evan. I mean, this is a family and, um, and we love you guys so much. And just, we're so thankful the fact that you share your heart, share your family, and that you share all those, you know, gray emotions, because we want our listeners to know, you know, this journey, not only the good side, but the ups and downs, but also what a blessing it is to be in the other side saying, hey, look, this is the family, maybe not as I thought it will be, but is the perfect family for me. Crystal, we love you. We are yeah. so grateful mm-hmm. for you coming on and sharing your story and how God has used the brokenness and heartache of infertility to push you into this arena and the way that God has used even the brokenness of, of fostering and of Evan being fostered to push him to such a sweet mm-hmm. place of ministering to these children that come into your home. We're big fans of you. We love you. Thanks for joining us. And moms who are listening, we hope that this has been a blessing to you. We will have some resources in our show notes of some um, agencies and things that you can do if you're interested in this ministry. So signing off from Crystal, Gisma, and Kira. Let's do it together, ladies. Crystal, you ready? One, two, three. Bye. Bye. Bye.